What's doing, everybody? Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for stopping by. I've got a tremendous guest to bring you guys today. Derek Fay joins me on the podcast today. Derek Fay is a serial entrepreneur. He's blown up. You've probably seen him all over social media. He is the founder of 3F Management, which is a venture capital firm that he began back in 2002. He is known as the Deal Structure Guy. He's built more than 30 different businesses. He's highly successful. Of course, he's a first-class father as well. Derek Fay is going to be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And if you guys have been following the show for any period of time, you know I bring on a ton of entrepreneur dads or dadpreneurs, whatever you want to call it. A lot of them have joined me on the podcast here, so go through the archives, check them out. The Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort has been here, Grant Cardone, Bedros Koulian, Ed Milet, uh, The Shark Tanks, Damon John, so many others. So please go through the channel here and check them all out. If you're following on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave me a rating or review. If you're following here on YouTube, please follow the channel. Uh, so much great stuff to come, including next week. I will be leaving to go to Las Vegas to do Super Bowl Media Day. It's something I do every year. I interview all of the players and coaches about fatherhood, family life, their faith, and so much more. So uh, stay tuned for more announcements on that. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, at Alec Lace. And so it's going to be exciting. I know it'll be the Chiefs again. It's like the fourth time I'll be interviewing the Chiefs players and coaches, but uh, we'll see what we can come up with. So make sure you follow me on Instagram. And as always, please help me spread the word about today's podcast, Every Father in Your Neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Every day is Father's Day, right here on the podcast, and here comes my interview straight up with Derek Fay on First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood, that is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Joining me now, First Class Father, Derek Fay. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Let's start it like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? <clears throat> Two girls, uh, almost 15 and 17. So freshman and junior. Wow, very cool. Yeah, I got a 15 and 16. We had three boys and then got our girl on the fourth try. So we, um, I, got, I got a 17 and 16 of my two older ones. So I'm right there with you. If you could, Derek, please just take a second to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. Well, first and foremost, I'm a father. Um, I am an entrepreneur. Um, since the word go, um, uh, I started a venture capital firm, uh, 22 years old, kind of wild. Um, over that time I've built just over 30 companies from the ground up. Uh, my core company is called 3F Management. Uh, we build wholly owned companies and we invest and, or take, uh, JVs and smaller companies, help them scale and grow. We do leverage buyouts, <clears throat> mergers and acquisitions. Uh, I consult for Fortune 500 companies, uh, board deadlocks, blah, blah, blah. All to say, in one word, I'm a hustler. If tomorrow I found out that hot dogs were the most profitable thing in the world, there would be a Derek's dogs on every corner in the nation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love the mindset. So then take me back. I know you said your mm -hmm. oldest is 17. Then uh, how old were you then when you first became a dad? Where were you at in your career? And how did that experience change your perspective on life? Yeah, so I was uh, 25, 26 when I had my youngest. I was egotistical. I knew everything and a shell of the man that I am today. <laughs> so <laughs> to say that having a child, never mind a daughter, changed everything would be a drastic understatement. I believe that men, as far as kids go, you get what you need, which is why I stopped the two girls because I probably would have got 14 of them. 
Um, but they made me the man I never thought I would be. They taught me to put myself second for the first time in my entire life. Um, and that really did flow over into business. And really, if I think about it, that's when business really started to change positively. And, and the trajectory really just went up from there. Yeah, it's one of the things I talk about, Derek, is so many young men have this uh, philosophy that if they if they can't afford to have children. Kids are too expensive. But on the other side of that coin, it's uh, kids really ignite that fire in you to earn more. They give you that oh incentive God. that and the drive that you've never had in a fire you know, to, to, to make more money. So I think, yes, it, it sounds scary to say, oh, yeah, kids can be expensive, but they also can help you bring in more income than you've ever had before. Which is exactly what I experienced. Now, I was always a very motivated entrepreneur, but you nailed it exactly. I can't pinpoint it other than to say that I had this new human being that I didn't even know, but meant more to me than even myself. And if you don't think that that lit a fire under my ass, only men that don't have children would not understand that. Yeah, well said. And, you know, one of the things, too, is that a lot of dads, especially with what you're doing here, entrepreneurship, a lot of dads, and this is a common one, I'm sure you get a lot, but it's like a lot of dads are stuck in that job that they hate and they would love to transition into a small business or some passion that they've wanted to pursue, but they're afraid because they got a young family, small family, that they're afraid of leaving that the comfort or the, the reliability of that job and going into that unknown world. A lot of dads are afraid to make that transition, so they'll stick in a job that they hate for the rest of their life. What's your advice to that dad? Well, listen, first we have to acknowledge that it's real. I mean, you do have a responsibility that you didn't have before. Um, but I do think that, and I experienced this for a little bit, um, both especially specifically in a, in a marriage that didn't work out. Um, you think that you're doing something that benefits your child because you don't think that they see it. But kids feel more than you could ever imagine. And so what they want more than anything is a happy father um, because you become a better father. You know, I'm not saying to the guy out there who's, you know, going paycheck to paycheck to quit that job and go try that new thing. But there is a step by step process in that off time. Now, that that's not easy, by the way, It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. And so when I tell people to come to me, and it is a very common question. If you're happy, then stay happy. But if you come home every day and you feel like you're meant for more, then just incrementally start something on the side until it replaces that check to check and then go on it. All these people out here online are saying, just quit your job. It's the worst advice in the world. You're going to destroy a family. Everything is life. These, these, these big goals and ambitions are built inch by inch, day by day. And that's just the truth of it. Yeah, I think, Derek, too, because we see so much on uh, the influencer world that we're seeing on Instagram and TikTok. It seems like everyone makes it sound like it's so easy to become a millionaire. Everyone's saying, like, oh, yeah. why haven't you done this already? What are you doing working over there? Look at me. I'm on a yacht. I'm on an island. And everyone's yeah. kind of saying, well, wait a second here. I'm, I'm not there. And so it's frustrating, I think, for so many, especially young dads that are just trying to get out there to mm -hmm. see all these people. It seems like almost everyone's living in a massive success except yeah. you. Yeah, well, 99% of them are absolutely unequivocally full of shit and lying. And that's just a fact because I'm in the world. We'll leave names out of it. The other thing is, it's, it is easy. All you have to do is, easy, spend 10 years doing the hardest work you've ever done in your life, sacrificing, and then you'll be an overnight success. But the good news is, 10 years in, in the scope of our lives really does go by very quickly. And this is the stuff no one talks about. You're not going to get rich overnight. You're likely not going to get rich in one to three years. 
But if you keep pushing in 10 years, and I'm an example from 25 to 35, you look back and you don't even recognize the life that you once had. Yeah, it's it's inspiring to see. And that's what is good is to see guys like you who have done that. I've, I've had several others on here, like an Ed Milet, who's gone from zero to, to hundreds of millions. And, and we see that and we could draw inspiration from it because the success does leave clues. And so that motivation is good. The thing where it gets sprinkled in is this fake motivation and this fake stuff that we're so mixed in and blended in with where it seems like the, the seven the seven minute abs. Right. It's it says everything we want. We want <laughs> it now. We don't want to have to put in that work. But that's always the key component that's missing. And we always feel like, oh, that guy. He got it because of this. We have these excuses as, oh, he got it because of that. He got it for this. I don't have that. And that we always try to kind of ace ourselves out of becoming what we could be. Well, it's easier to make an excuse as to why you don't have it than to look in the mirror and say, I'm the reason I don't have it. But if you do, it's the most empowering thing you can do. And most people don't understand that. Once you accept that you are absolute at fault, if you don't have what you want, guess what comes next? Now you're absolutely in control of going out and getting it. Yeah, th- that's the way it worked for my sobriety too, Derek. I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict. And until I put myself on the blame list, I wasn't even able to begin to get the process of being sober. So uh, right. it works in that way as well. So let me bring it back to fatherhood then for a second, yeah. if I could here. Uh, what, what type, I'd love to ask all the dads, is what type of disciplinarian are you, especially with the two girls? Because I'm different with my boys than I am with my daughter. She's only <laughs> nine, but I'm definitely different. So what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Well, first, let me say I don't have sons, so I suspect that I would be polar opposite, (laughs) Um, but but maybe not. And so let's start with where I came from. And so I grew up in Rhode Island, uh, Section 8 housing, single mom, probably the most horrific, abusive um, childhood you can imagine from about two until 12 years old. Um, So statistically speaking, I should be an abuser. Statistically speaking, I should have an addiction. Statistically, I could potentially be in prison, which, by the way, both my siblings did go to prison. And so to come full circle, I did the opposite of what was done to me. I remember still today how being yelled at all of these things made me feel. It sticks with me as if it were just yesterday in some in, in some moments. And so that really did bleed through to my children. And then all of my experience as an entrepreneur in business. And so I I am a father that doesn't, I like the, the expression, uh, it's not about restriction, it's about addition. And so I don't tell, I don't say my, don't do this. I say, here's my perspective on things. And um, I don't, here's, let me, let me go back. As a father, I think my responsibility is to teach my children how to think, not what to think. And so I am a very loose disciplinarian. Um, I am more of a communicator. I I don't punish for mistakes. I don't believe in it. Not only do we all make mistakes, imagine that. I believe consistently consistently punishing kids for mistakes, especially the first time that it happens, builds up a fear of taking risk as an adult. And I think it's a huge miss. Yeah, right on with that, Derek. And one of the see one of the things that's missing. And you said you grew up with a, a single mom. One of the things that I harp on on this show all the time is that we have a fatherless crisis going on in our country with so many kids growing up without a father or a father figure in their life. We are filling up the prison systems in this country with one particular type of person, and that is a young man who grew up without a father in the home. And yeah. so it, it's it's vitally important that if you can't replace that, they, the fathers find that uh, father figure or a positive male role model somewhere in a teacher or a coach, maybe the military. Who who became that father figure for you uh, as you were growing up? Who was the first kind of male influence that kind of helped you, guided you along the way? 
Yeah, the first would have been my grandfather on my mom's side. Old Marine, not educated, dropped out of school in sixth grade, not an intelligent man in the traditional sense, but from a way that I, I think a man should behave, both as a man and when it relates to treating women, and just a common sense, really, really intelligent, common sense man. He was the one and, and certainly responsible for the way that I think I behave in a lot of ways now and maybe saved my life in a lot of ways that I don't even understand was the first real uh, male role model, not in business, not in success, but as a man, which we could argue is really the most successful thing. And, and I think um, what don't we see on social media? What don't we see in movies? We don't see the dad who is spending quality time with his kids. The dad is always gone, earning, making money. Yes, super important, but you can do both. Yeah, and and, and I, there's another thing I discussed quite a bit is we, we see that father portrayed in always that negative light. There's, there, one of the most important things I think that needs to happen in this country is number number one is getting dads back in the home, getting fathers back into the home. Number two is uh, getting the heavenly father back into our society because we've taken the faith portion out of our lives as well. So when you don't have the father in the home and you don't have uh, the heavenly father in your life, those two things I think are really just crippling this whole country right now. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. You know, when it comes to religion, I, I'm not a very religious guy, uh, person, but I live my life by a set of standards that I think a religious person would say, you know what, you might be. And when it came to my children, going back to my philosophy with kids, where I want to teach them how to think, not what to think, I introduced all options to them. I introduced evolution, creationism, all of these types of things, and and had these very in-depth conversations and so I've taught my daughters how to behave, um, but they will have the option to choose uh, their path in, in a lot of different ways that I think adults are demanding that their child um, travel versus giving them the power to make their own decisions it's because that stuff sticks. Guess what? Someday we're not going to be there. And if the only reason they do something is because they were told, I don't think that's the stuff that sticks. Well, I'll tell you what, Derek, there's not too many things I, I look at with apprehension. Uh, one of them is definitely my daughter, who's only nine now, is getting old enough to hit that dating scene. So well, I have I have three teenage boys. I don't have a teenage daughter yet. You've got two of them there. So how did, how has that been working for you? And how do you kind of I mean, I, I'm open here ears here, too. Like, uh, I'm sure I'm sure if they haven't, they're about to start dating. So how have you kind of handled the, the boy situation in the dating scene with your girls? Well, two things. One. It's incredibly difficult as a man, but I, I made a decision prior to knowing that I was coming into the dating scene. One very important thing, because I, I saw it not happening in other relationships with sons. I'm sorry, with uh, daughters and fathers. I wanted every inch of my daughter's life. And I understood that if I acted like a, I don't want to say typical, but like most fathers, you're never going to date da -da -da, all this stuff that they were going to push back for me. So I went the polar opposite. Now, I'm not saying that it was easy. Because I, it still, it still burns inside. But I was the dad that talked to them first about sex. I was the dad that helped some of um, my oldest shave her legs for the first time. I am the dad still now because of the way that I acted. Comes home after a date and talks to me about things that on the inside burn, but she's talking to me. And so, if I can encourage anything to fathers, as difficult as it may be, if you do that you'll have every inch of your daughter. And that's, it's a great feeling, but more importantly, when something goes wrong, let's say there's abuse or something like that, my daughter will come to me. 
Yeah, and I, that's all I could ever ask for, Derek. Honestly, right. as as I go through, is for all of my kids, my sons and my daughter, is just that sure. when 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 shit hits the fan, that they're going to want to pick up the phone and they're not going to be afraid to call me, no matter what situation right. there is. And if I could get them to do that, I feel like I've succeeded as a father. I agree, and that's another standard that I set with my my oldest. And, and I feel like we want our kids never to lie to us, but as parents, we lie to our kids constantly, right? <laughs> yeah. you know, did you did you drink? Did you do drugs? No, 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 no. I've always been very honest with my children, of course, age appropriate, but now at 17, pretty much everything is age appropriate. She's been dating the same boy for two years. And so it's now it's not, hey, if you drink or if you try, it's when you do, or if you have questions, I'll tell you my experience, I'll tell you this. And if if you do happen to go to a party and get drunk, just call me. There's not there's no argument, there's no upset. Dad gets out of bed. I come pick you up. I drive you home. Next morning, I'll cook you eggs. Why? Because I want my daughter alive. Yeah. And that's the other part, too, is also you, you, you worry so much at this age. As I know I do is who they're getting in the car with uh, because, you know, and, and one of the things that's been so good, Derek, I think for this generation is the fact that we do have Uber and Lyft. Uh, something yes. that I've I've yes. driven a ton of it in my life, and uh, yes. I think it's it's such a great option because back in the day we didn't have that option, no. and just taking no. that chance, drinking and driving, seemed like it was always just part of what you did. It was part of the night. It was never yeah. anything else. So now I think that two two points on this is one is it's great that they have it so they don't drink and drive. On the on the negative side is it they trust it so much, they trust the technology so much that I, I've time and time again you see these young girls that are just getting into these Uber cars, not asking who the driver is, not looking at the license play and they're just so trusting of the technology they're walking right into a it could be a potential trap i agree uh i agree on both parts i think uber is a great tool and listen i use it when i go out on the weekend right um i i do not encourage my 17 year old to because of that very thing now in a pinch if she couldn't get a hold of me i mean it's the it's the the you know the least evil but i agree um this generation, God, that makes that makes me sound really old. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my Lord. Um, you're right. They blindly trust technology and yeah, it's a it's a concern. Yeah, yeah, there's no no doubt about it. And then just getting it back into what you do real quick. I know uh Barbara from Shark Tank, a partner with you with the 3F management. I, I had Damon John here on the podcast a, a little while back, and it seems like Shark Tank has really had a major influence on the younger people to inspire them to want to become entrepreneurs. I think what it's done, not just as a good TV show or whatever it is, is it's really, really inspired so many guys, so many girls uh, to want to get into and pursue some of what they might have as a hidden passion and say, wow, if it's possible for these people, it's possible for me. So what's your take on that show and what it's done for, uh, for, for young people? People in this country yeah I, I i i love the show i love the concept i agree that it has um lit a fire of the possibilities in um you know transitioning or if you have a dream um you know that being said the, the way that the show plays out is a, is a little unrealistic in my opinion and what i'll give you as an example is and listen I, i've built a bunch of companies nine figure we do mergers and acquisitions leverage buyouts if i were on shark tank I would give equity to Mark Cuban for $0 for a variety of reasons. So it always cracks me up when I'm watching it and people are haggling with Mark Cuban. No, I need $10,000 more. Or I'm not going to be your partner. And I'm like, <laughs> but yes, I mean, listen, it, it's better than a lot of the television on. At least it's getting people to think analytical, to think about numbers, um, which is something that school doesn't do. 
Yes. And that's one of the, one of the most important things I think we're missing in our education system is that we're not teaching kids what to do with the dollar, um, how to develop wealth or how to create wealth. And there's so many more opportunities, it seems like now, because of the devices that we have in our pocket. It just seems like everything is open to everybody right now. And it's it's been the best time in the world. Everybody kind of it's an even playing field because everyone's got access to a device and you could start a website for very minimal money and, and pursue your passion. So I, I don't know why the schools are, are not getting involved in that as far as that's one of the things Damon John came on the show was he had a book about teaching kids, young kids about getting interested in financing and what to do with a dollar. Well, why the school isn't doing it is a whole nother rabbit hole. We won't <laughs> know the rabbit hole we can go down and maybe not for this show, but um, I agree. And let me give you an example of what I have done with my children. Um, they have owned, they both owned their own company since they were 11 and or 12 and 12 and 15. And so because they they showed a general interest, so they used to come to boardrooms with me. And I mean, before they could even write, they were sitting in a boardroom scribbling like they were paying attention, but it was getting in. Right. And so starting at about 10 and 12, they stopped asking for things for Christmas. They wanted their own storefront. And so we started looking for an opportunity. We found one. And long story short, um, dad gave them a loan. They had to sign loan documents. They negotiated the lease. They bought two locations. Um, they decided to consolidate them into one. And so now fast forward, they have two locations, two mobile trucks, and they're doing about a million dollars, a million and a half dollars in revenue as a, as a 15 and 17 year old kid. Now, don't worry, everyone that's watching. They don't get the money. The only way they get the money is if they work in the store or on the store at $10 an hour. But that's something that's there for their future. Um so that has provided them a ton of experience in financials, hiring, firing, analytical thinking, lease negotiation, all of the things that should be taught in the school, which, by the way, would cost zero dollars to teach. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. What an inspiring story, too, Derek, for your girls. And 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 like, that's what I mean. Like the opportunities are there for people to do it. It's, it we, our kids are spending so much time screen sucking on their phones and iPads and, and yep. laptops where it's like they could be actually using that uh, to benefit them. But like you said, that's a story for another time. What's next uh, for you here, Derek? What do you got? I mean, I know we're new into 2024 here. What's yep. coming up for you in the pipeline? What are we going to see? Yeah, so uh, 3F manages my core company. We've got a bunch of of you know um, s- smaller companies underneath that that operate. But in 2020, I sold the majority of my portfolio. Why? Everyone thought they were rich. Government was giving out money. Interest rates were super low. So I recognized it was the time. Now on the converse side, I recognized the opposite. And so what I this is my first real building year in about five years. So we are aggressively scaling. Um, investing in smaller companies, helping them scale uh, and building up that portfolio, which for the first time ever is including some of the more exciting SaaS and technology and AI um, platforms that I've ever seen, which is absolutely changing changing the landscape of not just my company, but every company. And I, I've never been a real tech guy, so to speak, but I recognize I'm good at recognizing things. I recognize that it's either going to it's either going to take over my company or I need to be a part of it. So I decided to be a part of it. And so we're leaning into joint ventures with people that are far smarter than me, leveraging my experience, both good and bad, bringing the the, the old and the new together. And I think it's going to be a recipe for um, wild, wild success over the next couple of years. Wow, really great stuff, man. I love the hustle. Um, I'll put the link to your to your socials and uh, and a little bit down below so uh, listeners can check you out. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Derek, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? What great advice. And I love this because everyone that's asked me, this is the same thing I've always said. 
Um, as dads, when a kid is coming or has just come, we think, and I felt it too, I got to get out. I got to make more money. And yes, I support that. We've just talked about how that is a main driver in my life. I'll say one thing. Do the things that you don't think are a big deal. Like be the dad that at least sometimes at three o'clock in the morning gets up and holds your son or your daughter to your chest while they're crying, putting them to sleep. Change the diaper. Do the little things that aren't traditionally what you think you should do because you're never going to get that time back. And although you don't realize what a bond you're creating, I'm telling you, it's in my opinion, it's one of the biggest misses for fathers is that special time in the beginning. And you just let your wife or your spouse, I mean, your, your spouse or your partner do it. Um, and I just did it by happenstance and I can still remember it like it was yesterday. So I think that's something that is really important. Yeah, well, well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Derek Fay, you're a first-class yeah, father all the way. And thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. My friend, thanks for having me. Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood.